0: Okay, let me get this straight. Medvedev lost in the first round of the German Open, right?
1: Yep, 6-4, 6-3.
0: And he lost in the first round of the French Open? Yep. But he still won a Masters title in Paris after all that?
1: Yep, Medvedev isn't out for the count just yet. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts Shravya
0: and Josefina.
1: Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all.
0: Shravya and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship.
1: And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more okay guys welcome to another episode of hold on to your racket this is episode 27 uh today is november 8th and obviously the paris masters 1000 tournament just wrapped up today and we have the last wta tournament of the year coming up in Linz, so we want to use this episode as a chance to cover both of those but first we have a very particularly very particularly exciting hot headline going into the 2021 tennis season
0: yeah bianca andreescu is apparently fully recovered from her injury. She had an amazing 2019 season last year, um, of course, with the North American hardcore swing taking the Rogers Cup title in her home country of Canada and the U.S. Open title. So we haven't really seen much of her since then because of this injury, but it's great to see that she's fully okay now.
1: Yeah, she said recently in an interview that, quote, um, she feels 100% and she's committed to playing the Australian Open, which is awesome. And she also said that she's, quote, perfectly healthy. So 100% perfectly healthy. Great to hear from Andrescu. Um, unfortunately, based on the past like year or two that we've seen her, she has been pretty injury prone. So we're happy to see that she is healthy now. And she recently shared a video on social media of her getting back onto the court and playing. So... We're excited to see her back because she definitely was a big name in 2019 and hopefully she won't have any other injury stumbles in 2021 and all the best for her season.
0: Diving right into the Rolex Paris Masters recap, Felix auger Aliassime and Hubert Hurkacz took the doubles title. They are now going by the name Hubelix. And <laughs> They took out U.S. Open champions and Roland Garros finalists, Bruno Suarez and Mate Pavic. They saved five championship points in the second set going into that, and this is a first doubles title for her cats.
1: And this is also Felix Ogiela's team's first title overall, and it's a Masters event, um, which is not you know a small feat so we're confident that he'll be able to carry this into singles he obviously made the finals of one of the cologne tournaments just before and we had that whole conversation about how he's been to so many singles final but spinals but hasn't taken a title yet but i think this is a great confidence boost for him and obviously shows that he's capable of playing big match tennis i mean You don't save five championship points without being able to play big match tennis Um, and he's also playing in the Sofia Open this week so there's definitely a chance for him to take a title there but onto the single side we had Russian Daniil Medvedev who we said (laughs) wouldn't really have a big chance in this tournament taking the title by defeating Alexander Zverev five seven six four six one to win his first Paris Bercy title and this was actually really funny he said in his i think like his post-match interview or whatever that he was complaining to his wife earlier about how he's not playing well as well this year he hadn't made any finals and of course we all remember in 2019 when he made nine finals so it seems like he was able to regroup really well here in paris and we counted him out too early but it's pretty impressive that he was able to kind of you know um take his current his recent losses on the chin and really bring out some of his amazing tennis in Paris
0: yeah he really kind of came out of nowhere in this <laughs> tournament and looking at the finalists is Vera's winning streak coming from the both Cologne titles and into the finals f- ended so he's been playing well but as you know he is facing some serious domestic abuse allegations if you haven't already And if you feel comfortable doing so, please read Aaliyah's story in the Racket magazine written by Ben Rothenberg to hear her account of what she says was an abusive relationship with Zverev. So considering all this, he has been playing really well and just the mental situation is really confusing for people who watch tennis because since he has all this going on and he's still playing so well, it's kind of concerning, I guess.
1: Yeah, I would agree. There's definitely commentators out there praising him for it, but as Josephina said, in our view, it's kind of concerning because these are some serious allegations, and just the way he's been reacting about them, aside from just his tennis, um, but just his general reaction towards them hasn't an been, attitude
0: towards it. Yeah, it
1: hasn't been you know supported or taking them seriously, regardless of whether they're true or not. I mean, it's pretty obvious from her story that she's really speaking from the heart and this is very emotional for her um but there regardless this is something he should be taking seriously which it doesn't seem that he is but anyways daniel medvedev i mean this is a definitely a good sign for the russian going into london because as we said the season hasn't been as great for him as it was last year but You know, this could be game-changing for his performance in the NITO ATP Finals. Speaking of which, be sure to stay tuned in the next couple of days for our preview of the NITO ATP Finals. where We'll have more discussion of that year-end event. So, as you know, we like to do preview episodes and draw analysis episodes for Grand Slams for the tour finals and for masters 1000 or premier 5 events. But since this is since Linz is the last WTA event of the year, we thought it was pretty special. I know a lot of other people are excited about it as well because they were sad that the WTA had to cancel so many of its events in the fall. So we're going to be dedicating the rest of this episode to previewing the WTA Linz tournament, which the two of us are also super excited about. So let's dive into the draw analysis.
0: Right, so in the top half, we do have some top seeds. Arena Sambalenka, the first seed, is coming from her big win in Ostrava. She's in prime form and is a dangerous player for the others in the draw. Our third seed, Diana Rostremska, she's lost in the first rounds of the French Open and Ostrava, so isn't very strong going into this tournament, but she's a player who has her moments and should not be counted out. Also, we have Jill Teichman, the seventh seed, who has had a pretty average season, losing in the first round of the French Open and in the second round of qualifiers for Estrava, but making it to the quarterfinals in Strasbourg. And also, she made it to the finals of the top seed Open earlier this year. And finally, the eighth seed, Bernardo Pera, isn't a very strong contender going into this tournament as she lost in the first round of Ostrava qualifying and second round of the French Open.
1: So in the bottom half, um, looking at our top seeds, our number two seed is Elise Martins. We've talked about her ever since we started the podcast, um, starting at the Western and Southern Open. She's a very solid player. She made it to the quarterfinals in Ostrava, obviously taking the doubles title there with Sabalenka. Um In the quarter, she lost to Azarenka, but Elisa Mertens is always a tough player to face, but she will also probably face a difficult second round um, versus either Zvonareva or Kostyuk, um, which we're going to talk about in just a bit. Our fourth seed is Ekaterina Alexandrova. Um, she's a big hitter. She's had mixed results recently, so I mean, I'm not really sure about how well she could do, but given her game, the indoor conditions could be uh, helpful for her, but she's also facing a potentially difficult first round versus Siniakova. And then we have Veronika um, the fifth seed, um, Alexandrova's compatriot, and she's another big hitter. Um, she also has had some great wins recently, including against Karolina Pliskova. She got to the quarterfinals of Ostrava, so she's also looking good. And then last, but certainly not least, our number six seed, Nadia Podorowska, the Roland Garros semifinalist, the breakthrough player of that tournament, maybe only second to Iga Swiatek. So this is the first time that we're seeing her back since her great run at the French Open. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how she does. We don't really know what to expect from her, given that she's just made this huge breakthrough, but definitely someone to keep an eye out for.
0: And... On the topic of keeping an eye out for people, moving into the people who we think can make potential breakthroughs, I'm starting out with Océane Dodin, a qualifier. She's a big hitter. She has a nice serve, and she recently won an ITF title in Cherbourg, France. France. I don't know why I said that with a French <laughs> accent. And... Next up, I have Serana Garcia. She upset the ninth seed, Joanna Conta, in the U.S. Open just this year in the second round and is a name that you might want to be on the lookout for because she is capable of doing damage.
1: In the bottom half, um, the first person I picked was Sara Stormo. She had that great run in Ostrava in the quarterfinals before losing in that crazy match versus Sabalenka. But... The person who I am going to want to watch the most in this tournament and the person who I really think could make biggest breakthrough um, is Marta Kostyuk. She's an 18-year-old from Ukraine. We remember her amazing match versus Naomi Osaka at the U.S. Open. Um, Kostyuk just entered the top 100. She's gotten to the finals of two ITF events in just the past 14 days or so. So she has a lot of momentum going into the tournament and certainly a lot of
0: firepower. And starting out with our tiebreakers, where we choose some first round matches that we think will be interesting and we choose the winners. Um, I'm starting out with Barbara Haas from Austria. She has the home advantage and is a wild card going in. She reached her high singles ranking earlier this year, meaning she is on her way up. So, definitely somebody to be looking out for versus Veronica Kudermitova, the Russian fifth seed in this tournament. I'm going to give it to Haas, honestly, because, like I said before, she does have the home advantage, and I think she's definitely capable of getting this win.
1: For my pick, I picked Vera Zvonareva versus Marta Kostyuk. Zvonareva, we know her as the veteran. She's former World number 2 2010 Wimbledon and US Open finalist, and this year's US Open doubles champion. And she's going to be taking on the newbie, Marta Kostiuk, who we just talked about. I'm going to pick Kostiuk for the win because of the great momentum that she has going into this. And I really think that she's a player to be watching in this tournament, not to put too much pressure on her or anything, although I don't think she listens to hold on to your racket just yet. Um, Yet. but (laughs) But I think that a lot of people have observed her great tennis and are looking forward to seeing how she does this week.
0: So going into our aces and double faults, minus the ace section, again, the double faults are the some little lows of the week, you know, not exactly the greatest moments. So our only double fault is Alexander Zverev's finalist speech. I'm just going to read the quote and you could decide what you think about it after. I know that there's going to be a lot of people that right now are trying to wipe a smile off my face, but under this mask, I'm smiling brightly. I feel incredible on court. Everything is great in my life. The people who are trying can keep trying.
1: Quote, unquote, everything is great in my life. Okay. Okay, buddy. Okay. Okay, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to okay. say, even if he's innocent, like, this, we said this in, like, I don't know when we talked like in tennis talk in the beginning we said even if he's innocent like these are some serious allegations and he's kind of brushing them off and being arrogant about them which is really harmful and hurtful and just perpetuates like the distrust people have in women coming forward.
0: Yeah, like like we said, this whole speech is just a double fault because, I mean, even saying everything is great in my life, even like Shravi said, even if the allegations aren't true, it's not. Like, this is so serious. And the fact that we're taking it more seriously, that, that is concerning.
1: Thank you so much for joining us and that is game, set and match for today.
0: If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the Lens Open, the Nino ATP Finals, and, of course, updates on all the T-On Tour.
1: Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on.
0: Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.
1: Follow us on social media at holdontoyourracket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released in just a few days, where we will preview the NITO ATP finals. We'll be releasing a Lin's recap shortly after, so stay tuned for both of those episodes.
0: And remember, my name is Josephina,
1: And my name is Shravya.
0: That is if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Robert and Stravia's name is Steve. See you next time.